Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. Welcome, everybody. It's so good to be here with you guys this morning. I love that worship time. It was awesome. Fired me up. I was ready to go. And uh, I'm almost ran over been there. <laughs> it's fun. We're excited you guys are here. Uh, it is a Christmas season that we get a chance to celebrate this good news of great joy this morning. And the world around us is singing the songs, right? The malls and the... The, the, the places that we frequent, the coffee shops, the restaurants, we're hearing Christmas music all around us and it's busy with pace and everybody's going to parties and the lights are out and it's a festive season and it is the most wonderful time of the year. And yet in, in the most wonderful time of the year, in the season of Christmas, many times in our culture, God's greatest gifts are left unopened at Christmas time. Many times in the mad pace and rush towards Christmas and the, the earthly happiness that the culture tells us about and shows us on all the media that's rushing at us every second. Many ha- times in that mad rush, we can miss out on God's greatest gifts at Christmas times. Earthly happiness, right? Earthly happiness Producing peace and comfort through our own power and success. Earthly happiness is all around us at Christmas time. And yet, Jesus came at Christmas to bring us something much bigger and broader and more beautiful. Eternal joy. We don't want to miss out on eternal joy by chasing after earthly happiness that never ultimately fulfills, satisfies, or goes into the depth of our soul. And this morning, as we look at Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at this great news, this good news of great joy, as Jesus came to bring it at Christmas time. And we don't want to miss out on that unopened gift. We don't want to miss out on the gifts of God's joy. Luke chapter 2, as he records the gospel story, says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their town to register. Now that word Caesar Augustus, we kind of blow by that on the Christmas story. We want to get to the manger, right? We want to get to the, the, the baby and the shepherds and all the things. And we can just blow right by that name. It's just sort of incidental information on the road to Bethlehem, right? Well, actually, Luke put that name in there for a powerful reason. He was giving us the historical backdrop for this king that was coming to bring good news of great joy. You see, because Caesar Augustus was the most powerful man in the world. He was the king of happiness in the Roman world. He was on the top of the food chain. Caesar Augustus, his birth name was Octavian. He was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. When his father died, he constellated power. He killed all his father's enemies. He took the name of his father, Caesar. He put on these elaborate games like Olympic games. And in the middle of these games, all of a sudden, there's this beautiful comet that appears in the sky. 
And Octavian goes, yes, there is a sign from the gods. My father has ascended to the right hand of Zeus. He is God. What's that make Octavian? The son of God. Octavian was an incredible image guy. He was an incredible marketer. And he used that to consolidate and get more power throughout Rome. After that, he took on the name Augustus, which means illustrious one. And suddenly temples were built in his name. People were worshiping his God. Sacrifices were made to him. People were praying prayers. I pray this in the name of Augustus, the illustrious. And one of the ways he exercised his control was by taxing the people in foreign lands to pay for his amazing power, success, and happiness. And so he moves people in the world. And so in this story, we see Joseph and Mary, this poor couple in the backwater, backwoods part of the world, a part of this huge Roman empire being moved to a city from Nazareth to Bethlehem, 90 miles. And as they're being moved, Luke is saying, who is really the king and who's really in control? Who's really the king? Is, is it our president? Is it, is it the nations? Is it the Congress? Is it the government? Is it the marketplace? Is it really the Wall Street guys? Who's really in control? And as Caesar exercises his human control, we understand that God is moving to bring something way more powerful. The king who's going to bring eternal joy is really in control. Because as this couple is moved to the city of Bethlehem to register, so Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee and Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of David prophecies are being fulfilled given in the old testament 700 years before this event the prophet micah said the messiah will be born in bethlehem he will come out of bethlehem and all of a sudden who is really in control and what is really going on and what is this good news that's being brought at christmas time and so joseph and mary come to the city the city of bethlehem to register their child and all of a sudden, it becomes time. The, 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 the water's broken, right? The birth pangs started, and we got to find a place because we're having this baby. And this town is swollen with tax people that are coming from all over the country, so there's no room in the inn. And what does it say? It says, while they were there, it came time for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She racked him in cloths and placed him in a manger, a stable trough, because there was no room for them in the inn. That's the picture of Christmas. That's the picture of good news with great joy. It's not a picture of earthly happiness, right? That's a dirty, dank stable. It smells like manure. It's no place you would want your child to be born. It's no place that you would want your daughter to have a home birth, not in a dirty stable with infectious diseases and cows and chickens and stinking sheep. Nobody wants to be born in that stable. That's not a picture of happiness. That is a picture of joy. You guys ever get these happiness photos at Christmas time? They're coming coming to my house every day. I love these happiness photos because These photos are amazing. These people look like Greek gods. These people should be on the cover of Vogue magazine. I mean, the the, the gowns are the most beautiful things I've ever seen. 
The guys look amazing. Everybody's got a smile on. The hair is perfect. There is nothing wrong here. This is perfection. This is a picture of worldly happiness as its best. And I do this too. I paid for one of these. For my grandkids to have one of these. And you know what? We were invited to go to have a happiness picture with the Appleby family down at Laguna Beach. Now, the Appleby family has seven children below the age of seven, just to set you up for this. And after about two and a half hours of blood, sweat, and tears, after, after exha- sheer exhaustion, after two and a half hours of me and Kathleen jumping up and down, every stuffed animal, everything standing on my head, doing flips in the sand, we got one snapshot of Ben and Riley with a seven, one snapshot of a happiness photo. Now, between those shots, the 15 minutes in between was sheer madness. Shepard was climbing the cliffs. I thought he was going to jump off. Sailor was wandering toward the ocean. I thought a wave was going to take her out and sweep her off to the sea. Crew was throwing sand in the air and coming down on him. Uh, Wesley wanted a bottle. Finley needed to be changed. It was sheer bedlam. You know what? I love happiness photos. They're just one click away, right? Or just a little click of happiness. What about the other 364 days of the year? What about the other 364 days of the year in Orange County? You see, because what I, who I see in Orange County every day, they don't fit in this happiness picture. The lady that I visited this week that has cancer in the hospital that I prayed for, she doesn't fit in a happiness photo. The homeless guy that we feed weekly at the crossing, he doesn't fit in one of these happiness photos. The workplace that I go to and the stress and strain of trying to get things done for the holidays and all your work, they don't look like happiness photos all the time. The doctor's happiness with patients that are brutally in pain, it doesn't look like a happiness photo. What do we do when we don't fit into the world's picture of happiness? What do we do when we can't manufacture happiness through power and success? What do we do with that? I am glad that Luke did not give us this picture. I'm glad he didn't give us this, some baby with a golden spoon born in some temple somewhere that was untouchable, that didn't even understand the world. He gave us a dirty, dank, very difficult place that God came to so he, we would know more than earthly happiness that we can't even achieve or get. He came to bring us eternal joy. He came to bring us eternal joy. Not earthly happiness manufactured by our own power and control, but eternal joy based on his love for us. That's why he descended That's why he left his throne room of grace and came down to a dirty stable and took on the mess of humanity, the madness of humanity, which is all around us at Christmas time. It is good news of great happiness? No. It is good news of great joy. That's why I love the fact that the first people that hear about this, the first people that the picture is sent to, it's not Caesar. It's not the high priest in the temple dressed in his gowns. No, the picture isn't sent to them. The photo isn't sent to the rich marketeer or the wealthy financier. The photo is sent to the most lowly people in the land. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared around them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. They were terrified. These were the, the dirtiest people in the first century. You, talk, you ever heard the show Dirty Jobs? These guys had the dirtiest job in the first century. They were field people. They were homeless people. They, they didn't have a place. They, they were wandering nomads. They lived in tents. And, and the, the culture despised them because, because they wandered and because they were dirty, because they didn't look like the people in the marketplace or the people that went to the temple. They somehow looked down upon them. They somehow thought they were kind of sketchy people, you know, disloyal people, people that would deceive you. And so they got this reputation they were looked down upon. They weren't even allowed because they were dirty to come to the temple and worship because they were unclean. They were unfit for ceremonial worship at the temple. And the very sheep that they raised that were sacrificed, you know, in the temple to, to deal, make atonement for the sins of people, they couldn't go in and worship themselves. You think, how did these people feel? Did they feel like, wow, I'm, I, I'm in the happiness picture, right? No, they didn't feel like that at all. They felt rejected, abandoned. They felt despised. They probably felt like God, they were unacceptable and even unlovable to God. And that's why Jesus came to a dirty stable. And that's why these angels show up with the shepherds in the fields. It's not good news of great happiness. It's good news of great joy. And they were terrified, right? Because what do we do when an angel shows up? We're afraid. We're scared. And what does an angel always have to say? Do not be afraid, right? I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger, a dirty trough. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared and the angel, uh, with the angel praising God, a heavenly choir saying, Glory to God in the highest, worshiping God. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Good news of great joy. The good news of Caesar, because he had good news too. He was called the savior of Rome. He was called the peace of Rome. His birth was celebrated with an annual celebration they called Advent. Does that sound familiar to you? See, that's the black backdrop that Luke is presenting the king of joy against the king of worldly happiness. And see, Caesar's good news of happiness was for some of the people, some of the time, right? Happiness is for some of the people, some of the time. It's for the elite, it's for the wealthy, it's for the beautiful, it's for those who can manufacture and earn it and make it happy. That's happiness for some of the people, and that lasts some of the time. Because even those people get cancer, even those people die, even those people have divorce and disease and sickness and brokenness, it's for some of the people some of the time. That is what the world has given you at Christmas time. Happiness for some of the people some of the time. Jesus is offering you something much greater, much bigger, much more eternal. He's offering you great joy all of the time, and it's offered to all of the people. This is the good news of great joy that the shepherds received because they were left out. They were the leftovers. They were the less land as far as worldly happiness was concerned. 
This is good news of great joy for all of the people. It's good news not just for them. It's good news not just for the homeless person. It's good news not just for the addict. It's good news for you and me. Because I'm the biggest problem that I've got. You're the biggest problem that you've got. And so this good news is not about another financial guy that's going to give you more money. God didn't send a financier at Christmas time. It's not good news of a tech guy. He didn't send another Stephen Jobs to give you the iPhone 26 because you didn't need that at Christmas time. He didn't send you another politician. We got way too many politicians because you didn't need a political fix. He didn't send you a commander to bring you more tanks and military. He sent you a savior because you are the biggest problem you've got. I am the biggest problem that I've got. My wife's not the problem. I want to make her the problem, but she's not the problem. My kids aren't the problem. I want to make them the problem, but they're not the problem. I'm the problem. I want to blame the government for my problems, but the government's not the problem. I'm the problem. I want to blame my neighbor. He's the problem. No, I'm the problem. Because I'm the problem, God sent me a savior. Because you know what? I'm naturally selfish self-serving, self-centered, egotistical, controlling, and prideful. That's my natural bent, and that's your natural bent too. You know the word sin, which means falling short of God's glory? What's in the middle of that word? I, S-I-N. We got an I problem. Because we got an eye problem, I got to have an iPad, an iWatch, iTunes. I got to have eye everything because it's all about me at Christmas time. Good news of great joy. The little Caesar inside of Bucky needs to build and manufacture peace on his own. And when I don't get it, I become a little Caesar. They're running all over Orange County. They come in the restaurants. I see them as customers. You see them, you see them out there on the freeway, little Caesars. They get on the horn. <laughs> little Caesars, when you know your money investments don't work out and you're supposed they come right in the door, right? Little Caesars, unhappy because their needs are not met. They're out there all over the place. And guess what? I become a little Caesar too. Because at the core, I'm selfishness and I'm bent towards me. And God knew that. God knew that. That the consequence of that was separation. The consequence of that was a great divide. Why do I know we have an eye problem at Christmas time? Because there's divorce at Christmas time. There's hatred at Christmas time. We have political divide and racism. We have poverty. We have war. We have atomic bombs. We have all this mess. Where does that come from? It's because we've got an eye problem. If we didn't have an eye problem, there wouldn't be that way. It would be good news of great joy. But instead of that, we've settled for happiness and nobody's happy. We're all just little Caesars running around trying to get our own world and our own thing done. And it's a mess. And God knew that. He did not leave you in that mess. He sent a savior because you needed a rescue from yourself. And that's why Jesus came. That's why this is the sign you're going to find a baby lying in a manger, divinity and diapers, the king of all creation in a humble trough, because he's, he's a different kind of a king, bringing a different kind of kingdom. He's not going to build it through power and control and oppression. He's going to build it for, through sacrifice and humility and love. He's a different kind of a king. He's bringing a different kind of a kingdom. And that is good news of great joy. 
Because Christmas time is a time of salvation. It's time of rescue from sin and death. Because we've got an eye problem. He came to bring true peace. Peace that goes deep within our souls. You know, Caesar's peace is called the Pax Romana. Famous. You know, you could travel throughout the Roman Empire because of the Pax Romana. There was one language because of the Pax Romana. There was a government because of the Pax Romana. Because Caesar was able to keep wars from the borders of Rome. Even Epicurus, the Greek philosopher, says, you know, Caesar, he's done good things. He's brought peace. There's no war, but there's one thing he can't do. He can't bring peace to anxiety in the human heart. He can't bring peace to the desires that cause us to go crazy with addiction. He can't bring peace to grief and sorrow. He can't bring peace to anger and hatred. Even the Greek philosopher Epicurus said, Caesar can't bring the ultimate peace. That's why Jesus came to bring peace. The good news is that God is going to bring peace to those on whom his favor rests, a deeper, eternal peace. Not manufactured by human strength or human wisdom, orchestrated by God as he sent his son to be a savior, to take on the death that we deserved. The wages of our eye problem, sin, is death, separation from God, separation in our relationships with others. But Jesus came to substitute himself for our eye problem. He came to die on a cross to take on the death that we deserved in order to give us Christmas, the life that we didn't deserve. Eternal life, eternal peace, eternal rest through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. That's the unopened gift. That is good news of great joy. We've been reconciled to God. And because we've been reconciled to God, we can have the peace of God. Now, ruling over our eye problem, we can have the peace of God ruling in our hearts. Way more satisfying than a product or a purchase or any external thing. See, worldly happiness is all about externals. The joy that Jesus wants to bring is about a heart, a deep-felt contentment and satisfaction in the soul. Because I know I'm chosen and I'm loved by God. That is the good news of great joy that gives peace in our hearts and allows us to make peace with others. Because if I don't have an eye problem, it's not about me. I don't have to dominate you. I don't have to control you. I don't have to compete with you. I don't have to prove that I'm better than you. I can actually serve you. I can let little Caesar die on the cross and I can become a little Christ. I can become a servant of love. Ministry has been talked about. I can serve out of his love now. This is good news of great joy. You see, joy, Christian joy is way more powerful, way more awesome, way more abundant and satisfying than earthly happiness. Christian joy is way more robust, way more beautiful and brilliant than worldly happiness. See, Christian joy is religion proof. Paul writes about Christian joy in the book of Romans. The greatest Christian that ever lived that experienced the peace of God through Jesus Christ and lived out of that joy and served others said, Christian joy is way better than worldly happiness. Way better than the stuff that the world's trying to give you because Christian joy is actually religion proof. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, 
we have peace. We just talked about that. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Not because of what we've done for God. That's not Christmas. Christmas is what he came to do for us. Because of our faith in Christ, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. We stand in a place of undeserved privilege, grace, forgiveness, mercy, love, the greatest gift that God could give us. That's where we stand now before God. And we have confidence and joy as we look forward to sharing in God's glory in eternity. You see, religion tells you that you have to earn peace. That's the good news of Caesar. That's the good news of religion. Every religion will tell you, you can earn God's peace. You can have eternal comfort. You can be secure just as long as you become good enough for God. If you do the right religious works, if you have the right religious beliefs, if you're good enough and earn your place before God, God will ultimately give you his peace. That's religion. And that doesn't produce joy. It doesn't even produce happiness. Maybe temporarily, but what it produces is anxiety. Because I never know if I'm good enough. When I stand before God one day and give account of my life, am I going to be good enough? Did I jump high enough? Did I run fast enough? Did I go long enough to earn that peace? And so it produces anxiety, fear. I'm afraid of judgment. I'm afraid I'm not going to make it. I'm afraid I'm not in. What's going to happen to me? And ultimately, it brings us in this place of guilt. We carry guilt around. We're never enough. We can't earn it enough. We can't do enough. And exactly, religion, which promises happiness, just steals it from us. And there is no joy in Mudville when we try to live with Mudville in religion. That's why God gives us something way better. The gospel, the good news of eternal joy, it tells us that peace has already been earned for us through Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. We have his peace in our lives through the Holy Spirit. This produces us confidence and joy. Joy. The enduring, settled contentment that I'm going to be with God forever. Right? You talk to people who have lost loved ones, just like people in our church, and what gets them through it's they have peace and joy in the fact that they are going to see their loved one again and they know that God is with them and they will share in glory. That is way more robust than earthly happiness. There's not a lot of people selling happiness at a funeral with somebody who doesn't know God or have hope. See, joy is way more robust, way more awesome than earthly happiness because it's religion proof. The second thing about Christian joy, it's recession proof. Can we say amen to that? Amen, because you know, guess what? Recession's coming. That's what people tell me all the time. That's what my buddy in the home building industry, that's what you're hearing. Recession's coming. You can't be above the curve all the time. You have economic cycles, economic cycles. We are the most wealthiest, most blessed people in the world, and guess what? We're still scared to death of recession, because what does recession do? It takes your happiness from you. You see, recession takes your happiness it takes your power, it takes your money, it takes your success, and we go into recession and hopefully not depression. I've been there. I know that. When I try to build my life on earthly happiness and recession hits in my life, I go right down to depression. You know what? The gospel of great joy says 
God's joy. When we get on that curve, it doesn't, God's joy doesn't go like this. God's joy goes like this. It is certain. It is confidence building. It brings us into a place of contentment. We can rejoice too. There's that word again. When we run into recession, problems and trials, recessions in economically, recessions in your health, recessions in your relationships, recessions in every part of your life, problems and trials. We can rejoice. Why? For we know that they help us develop endurance. Right? There's a purpose that God uses. And endurance develops strength of character, the stuff on the inside that we're talking about. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. That's why Jesus came. And this hope will not lead to disappointment or depression or despair because we know how dearly God loves us. Right? And because he has given us the Holy Spirit, the foretaste of eternal glory, right? It fills our hearts with love, and so we have peace and confidence. You see, problems and trials are going to come to all of us. We're all going to face recessions. Happiness doesn't do good in a recession. Joy is recession-proof. Is that the greatest investment of your life? Joy is recession-proof. You want to get on the joy train. You want to be in Christ. You want to follow him and allow him to build that joy. And he uses trials to do it. He uses those to strengthen your character, your hope, the stuff of God that you need on the inside to walk through anything in life. It's like kids at the holiday season. All they want is sugar. You have any kids that just, there's sugar everywhere at the holiday season, isn't there? There's sugar everywhere, and all they want is sugar all the time. You're just fighting it constantly. With my grandkids, I'm fighting it constantly. And you know what? Don't eat the sugar. It messes up your appetite. We could we got a huge meal prepared for you right here, and if you eat that sugar, then they don't eat anything. It just bums you out, right? Because sugar puts you on this high. It's sort of the sugar high, and you know what? It masks the, the need for nutrients in your body, right? It masks the need for nutrients in your body. You know what spiritual sugar is? Power, money, success, Right? They're, they're gifts, but when we treat them like sugar and we got to eat them and have them all the time, see, this earthly happiness stuff masks our need for the spiritual nutrients that God wants to bring into our soul, the eternal stuff, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, earthly sugar, right? The earthly sugar and the spiritual sugar of money, power, and success, we got to eat it and have it in Orange County all the time. It masks our need for the deep stuff of the soul. And when that's taken away, when a recession takes our sugar from us, guess what? We get to lean into God. We got, we got broccoli. We got, we got a ribeye. We, we got a feast here that's been prepared for God for us that's going to feed our soul with a depth of stuff that tastes better than sugar ever would. And that's what God wants to bring into us. And that's what trials do. It develops hope and character right? The deep stuff of the soul, the stuff that lasts, the stuff that's eternal, and then we live with hope, and we can bring that hope to others, even the most difficult seasons of life. You think I go to somebody that's dying of cancer with a little sugar? Hey, here's a little mento for you. Hey, it'll make you feel good even though you're dying of cancer. I'll give you a little mento, and guess what? The market's up today. You probably feel good about that, so even though you die, your, your family's going to have some more money. 
And, and you know what? It's going to be okay when you leave because your clothes are going to go to somebody else. Don't rejoice. Take a little sugar here because your money and power, it's going to do some good things. Once you die and get put in the ground and you get eaten by worms, how do you feel about that? Woo, that's joyful. I don't go with sugar. I go with meat and potatoes because that's what I need. I go with the gospel. I go with the hope of Jesus Christ because that's the only thing that can fill a soul. That's why you guys are here, not to be sugar babies. You're here to be strong and power in the character of God. You're here to eat meat. You don't need milk anymore. You need meat and solid substance so you can go and save the world because they're going to hell. That's why we're here, guys, not for sugar. We're here for the meat of God, and that's why God brought you here. There's a lot of sugar in Orange County. You can get anywhere you want to. We're going to preach the meat of the word of God because God wants us to build disciples that go out and change the missionaries, that go out and tell people the good news of Jesus, people that suffer with joy and patience and kindness. And people go, wow, what's that guy eating? He's not eating the sugar I'm eating. This guy's soul is full of God. That's what God wants for you because it only will satisfy your soul. That's how much he loves you. And so Christian joy, man, it's recession-proof. And finally, Christian joy is rejection-proof. Rejection-proof. You know when people don't earn earthly happiness in Orange County, they feel rejected. The homeless people that I meet with, they feel rejected. People in addictions that are going to the groups, they feel rejected. People going through a divorce, they just feel rejected. People that have lost their jobs and gotten fired, they just feel rejected. They feel rejected by this picture. They feel rejected by Orange County. They feel rejected by God, just like those shepherds. But the gospel is not a gospel of rejection. It is rejection-proof. The joy that God wants to put on our soul is rejection-proof because it shows us that we're the beloved children of God. Even when we messed up, even when we blew it, even when we were lost in sin, even when we were far away from God, God sent his son at the right time. Look what it says. We were utterly helpless to save ourselves. Christ came at just the right time and died for sinners. That's why Jesus came. And that's the only people I know in Orange County is sinners. That's what I am. I'm a sinner. Now, most people would be willing to die for an upright person, right? A good person, a person that's worthy of dying for. Someone might even be willing to die for a person that's especially good, like even the best person. But God demonstrates his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We had walked away from God. We were antagonistic for God because a little Caesar was ruling our heart and we didn't even care about God. And God sent his son to die for us when we were utterly helpless. And since we have been made right God in sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from condemnation. There is no condemnation. There is no rejection. God will never reject you, even when you blow it because of Christ Jesus. He accepts you. He accepts you. He accepts you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you till the full. You will never be rejected because we are friends of God. Our friendship with God was restored by the death of the Son while we were still his enemies we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice, there's that word, in our wonderful relationship. We are friends of God. He will never forsake us. He will never reject us. He will never leave us. Joy, happiness, hey, once you're out of the organization, guess what? Pick up your stuff and don't let the, whore, the door hit you on your butt when you leave. You're out of here. You're no longer a friend of this organization. You didn't toe the line. 
You're out of this family. You didn't do the family rules, so you're out of here. How many people get rejected and there's no way back? Who is the one that brings them back? It is the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ in us. We have a rejection-proof gospel, and we need to go to the rejected and show them Christ's love. This Christian joy that Christ brings is rejection-proof, and we're friends of Christ forever. Man, isn't Christian joy awesome? Isn't this good news? Let's bring the band up. Let's celebrate this this morning. We're going to end in worship, right? And at this communion table, as the band leads us in worship, we come to this table, and this table is rejection-proof, right? No matter where you are at today, no matter what you think you've done, no matter what guilt is on your plate, no matter what grief and sorrow, you are not rejected. You are welcomed in joy, by the one who gave his body and blood for you. This is recession proof. Because this is a meal that a recession can never take away from you. This is a meal that will keep on giving you God's grace, God's mercy, continue to pour out joy of good news. This is religion proof. Because you don't come here to earn a spot. The spot's already been given to you. The seed is yours no matter what. God earned it through you, for you through the grace of his son. So let's celebrate this meal. Let's thank God in joy. Good news of great joy for all the people. A savior has been born to us, Christ. Let's celebrate that. Let's take that in and ask God to fill us with joy so we can take that joy out into a world that promises a happiness that will never satisfy. Let's live in that joy. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thanks for this morning. Thank you so much. Many times I do not live up to the picture of worldly happiness. Many times I am broken and frail and selfishly thinking all about me and I. And it's in that place that you come and you love me, Jesus. Call me your own. You accept me as your friend. Your grace and your mercy forgives me and you fill me and refill me with joy. This morning, we want to worship you. We want to put all the stuff down. We want to put down worldly happiness and we want to seek eternal joy in you. Would you fill those who are sad this morning with a deeper joy? Would you fill those who are empty this morning with a deeper joy? Would you fill those that are lonely this morning with your joy? Will you fill those that are suffering with a joy and endurance and a peace and build that joy inside of us, Jesus, that we can spill out and bring your joy to the world? That's why you came. Good news of great joy. And we celebrate it at the table. Thank you for your body and blood that brings us into that joy. We thank you and we worship you in Jesus' name. We have four stations. Let's celebrate this good news. Thank Jesus for his eternal joy. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.